This is Movies for the Blind, episode 206, The Fatal Glass of Beer. I think I'll go out and milk the elk. Hello and welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. As promised, we have another short film starring the comedy legend W.C. Fields. One part of his screen persona was usually drinking, going through whatever schemes and chases he could to get himself a shot. In real life, he actually didn't drink much in his early days as a juggler because he had to keep his reflexes sharp, but usually had liquor around for fellow performers and soon joined them in a big way when juggling became less a part of his act. When he became a star, his thirst was indulged by producers, letting him start work late and leave early so long as he could give them what they wanted. In this short, however, he's warning against the evils of drink, but it's all to serve the purpose of comedy. It started as a stage sketch about moralizing and histrionics in the theater, and then it became a parody of melodramas that take place in the Yukon, with Mounties, gold, family dilemmas, weirdly placed songs, sled dogs, and snow. Lots and lots of snow. From 1933, this is The Fatal Glass of Beer. The Fatal Glass of Beer, directed by Clyde Bruckman. Featuring W.C. Fields, with Rosemary Thebe, George Chandler, Richard Kramer. A blizzard consumes the frozen north, whipping past trees and bushes. A tiny shack rests at the foot of a hill. In the shack, a portly man ties a bundle. He stands, getting a lantern. Who's Officer Postal Whistle of the Canadian Mountain. He opens the door for the constable, whose hat and coat are covered with snow. Good evening, Mr. Snavely. Is it still snowing? I don't know. To tell you the truth, I never look. He takes off gloves. You get your man? Well, not yet, but I got my own. He undoes his coat as Snavely sits. You pulling out? Figuring on going over the rim tonight. He takes off the coat. How's your son, Chester? You hear from him lately? He sits. I ain't a hear from Chester. It'll be a year come Michaelmas. I was thinking of the song that you read about him. I wanted to sing it to my wife last night. You know, we got a boy just about Chester's age who's got a hankering to go to the city. Have you got your dulcimer here? Yes, I have, officer. I wonder if you'd mind singing me that song. I'd be tickled to death. Opening a trunk with his mittens on, Snavely pulls out an electric fan. You'll have to excuse me, though, if my voice isn't just right. You know, we can't get any epicac up in this part of the country. Right ahead, Mr. Snavely. He puts the fan aside and gets out a hammered dulcimer. You won't consider me rude if I play with my mitts on, will you? Not at all, Mr. Snavely. Not at all. He strums it with his mittens. Then sings. There was once a poor boy, and he left his country home. And he came to the city to look for work. He promised his mom and pa 
He would lead us in love's life And always shun the fatal curse of drink They look sadly at each other Once in the city He got a situation in a quarry And there he made the acquaintance Of some college students In a dramatization, a young man enters a saloon He little thought they were demons For they wore the best of but the clothes do not always make the gentlemen. The constable nods knowingly. So they tempted him to drink, and they said he was a coward. Until at last he took the fatal glass of beer. When he does, his knees knock. When he found what he'd done, he dashed the glass upon the floor, and he staggered through the door with delirium agreements. The constable wipes away a tear, and Stavely adjusts the dulcimer. Once upon the sidewalk, he met a Salvation Army girl, and wickedly he broke her tambourine. All she says was heaven. Heaven bless you, and place the mark upon his brow. She high kicks him. With a kick she'd learned before she had been saved. The constable wipes more tears with a handkerchief. Now as a moral to young men who come down to the city, don't go around breaking people's tambourines. That certainly is a sad song. <laughs> the constable lies down sobbing and Snavely pats his back. Don't cry, constable. It is a sad song. He puts the dulcimer away. My uncle Ichabod said... And stands. Speaking of the city, it ain't no place for women, gal, but pretty men go there. He takes his bundle over his shoulder. Always said something to make you split your sides a laughing. How <laughs> cool gentleman he was. Well, I think I'll be a high tailed over the rim. He opens the door. And it ain't a quick night out for man up. Snow's thrown in his face. And he leaves the shack. Welcome! Snavely checks his team of sled dogs. And steps to the back of his sled. They pull him away. Welcome! He wields his whip as they pull him over the tundra. Holding on, he runs behind and skips. A little wiener dog has its feet off the ground between two big dogs. It barks, carried along in the harness. They head over a hill. The wiener dog is able to stretch down to get its front legs running on the snow. Snavely rides on the sled as a wolf stands on a ridge. Later, two native chiefs sit in a cabin Snavely enters. I need a pick night out. A man of Snow's thrown in his face. Carrying a rock and lantern, he closes the door and locks it. 
he steps to a table and puts down the rock. Then hangs the lantern on the wall. Hello, He turns from one side room to another. Hello, Noticing a telephone, he picks up the earpiece. Hello. Then hangs up. Oh, Mr. Snavely. Oh, Chief. They stand. Oh. And how? Why, Moose? In their blankets and feathered headdresses. Moose Gray. They step to the door, which Snavely opens. Lamb. They leave, and he looks after them. Ready to pick my out a man up. Snow's thrown in his face. And he closes the door, then locks it. And it's for a storming for almost a fortnight. Stepping to a light bulb on the wall, he pulls a switch, turning on a bulb on the other side of a window. He steps past the window and pulls that bulb switch, turning on the first one. Who's there? It's me, Ma. An older woman steps out from the first side room to a pot at a fireplace, and with pot holders, she carries the pot to the table, set for a meal, and pours the contents into a big bowl. Did you find any gold down the ghost pole? Found that nougat right there on the table. A nougat? She picks up the rock. A golden nougat. And sets it down. Just what you've been a-combing them bar hills for. For nigh on to 30 years. She sits. It must be worth almost a hundred dollars. It'll help to pay off the mortgage on the old shack. Has that pill for medicine hat been here again? Yes, and he wants more money. Right as high? He sits. He wants more money, and if he don't get it, he'll take our Malamute. He won't take old Balto, my lead dog. Why not, Paul? Because I had him. He ladles soup. You at him? He was mighty good with mustard. Setting down the ladle, he picks up a huge stick of bread. We was a-mushing over Blind Nag Rim last night, and I got mighty hungry. He breaks the bread and finds the halves uneven. Giving Ma the shorter one, he dips the longer one in the soup. You better take your mucklocks off, Paul. Captain Pippetone of the Canadian Mounted muggled a police dog across the border for you. Smuggle a police dog across the border for me? Yes, and he says for you to keep it under your hat. How big is it? About so high. Above the table. He's crazy. Pa, it's just three years today since they put our dear son in jail for stealing them our bonds. And I know he never stole them. Sure he never stole them. Our Chester never stole nothing from nobody. Hardly ever. Do you think he'll come a-headin' for home when they turn him loose from that plague of jail? I reckon guess and calculate he will, Ma. Snavely stands. The young man steps in. Snavely walks around with one foot in a bucket. He kicks it off, and Ma stands. She hugs him as Snavely goes to the open door. And it ain't a fit night out. A man of peace. Snow is thrown in his face. And he closes the door. He goes to his family. Don't cry, Ma. We got our son back again, ain't we? Welcome home, Chester. Thank you, Paul. But I don't suppose we'll have him with us long. Stepping away, he puts a foot up on a chair. Once the city, 
gets into a Bahoy system, he loses his hankering for the country. Sit down, Chester. Thank you, Paul. They said. <laughs> Will you have some soup, Chester? That's my soup, Ma. She passes it to him. Hand me that bread I was dunking, will you? She does. Thanks. And he dunks it some more. Dad, I ain't ever going to leave the old farm again. I've come back here to stay with you and Ma. Snave leads a handful of crackers. And I ain't ever going to leave again. Chester lowers his head, crying. <laughs> his pa dunks the bread in the serving bowl. <laughs> And he keeps eating the crackers. He looks at his son. And finds himself crying. With snow falling from his fur hat and cracker crumbs falling from his mouth. He lowers the bread and his head with more snow falling from the hat. It's so good to see you both again. And I'm so glad to be back home with you and Mom, but I can't talk. I'd like to go to my little bedroom and lay on the bed and cry like I was a baby again. <laughs> there's, there's. Ma stands. Go to your room and have a good cry, dear. Chester stands. I know how you feel. I feel so tired. I think I'll go to bed. Why don't you lie down and take a little rest first, Chester? Snavely stands. Well, good night, Paul. Good night, Chester. Good night, Ma. Good night, Chester. Sleep well, Chester. Thank you, Paul. You... Chester backs into the other side room. Sleep well, Chester. Thank you, Ma. You sleep well. Don't Thank forget you. to open the window a bit, Chester. Don't forget to open yours a bit, Paul. I won't. Yes, Chester. don't forget to open your window a bit, Chester. Put yours up a bit too, Ma. Good night, Chester. Good night, Paul. Good night. Good night, Ma. Good night. Good night. Good night, Chester. Snavely takes off his scarf and takes another one off a peg by the phone. He puts that one on, throwing it around his neck. I think I'll go out and milk the elk. He goes to the lantern and picks it up. Then gets a pail. Don't forget your moon pond, Paul. Thank you, Ma. With the door open, he grabs a horn and gets the strap over his shoulder. And it ain't a pit night out, a man or beast. Snow's thrown in his face. He steps outside and closes the door. A herd of elk wanders the tundra. Snavely steps between trees. Lena. Lena, honey. He gets the horn. Papa's calling. The herd starts wandering off. Papa's calling you. He blows into the horn. Lena. They walk away faster. My old amateur ain't what it used to be. Hello, Lena. He walks among shadows of elk. Hello, Lena. Hey, Elmer, have you seen Lena? They run away. Hello, Mr. Stephen, what's... Well, Lena, it's certainly a bright moonlight night tonight. Hello, Lena. 
<laughs> Hello, Lena. One pauses. Hey, Lena, it's me. Come here. Don't you know me? Mr. Snively. They all move on. Hi. He steps to a water pump and puts the pail under it. When he pumps the handle, ice cubes fall out. They fill the pail. Snavely picks it up and walks away. Back in the cabin, Chester, in his bedroom. Did you steal them bonds? Yes, Ma. I stole them bonds. I was a bank messenger, and they caught me fair and square. I wasn't framed. I know you stole them, but I never would admit it to your father. If he thought you stole them, it would break his poor old heart. Never tell him any different. She caresses the top of his head. Good night, Chester. Good night, Ma. She leaves the room, and Chester gets into bed. The door opens, and Snavely walks in. And I need a pit night out, a man or beast. Snow's thrown in his face. And he closes the door. Hanging up the lantern, he takes the horn off his arm. And hangs it up, too. Then he dumps the ice cubes into a bucket. Ma sets a pitcher in a bowl on the cleared table. Has Chester gone to bed yet, Ma? I don't think so, Pa. She steps away. Turning to Chester's room, he checks Ma's gone into the other room. He crosses to it to make extra sure. Then steps toward Chester's room, then to Ma's room. He turns to a hole in the window where snow's thrown in his face. Then he goes to Chester's room. Chester? Yes, Paul? Can I speak to you a minute, son? Yes, Paul. In pajamas, Chester joins him at the table. Snavely motions for him to sit, and he does. Chester? Did you steal them, Bob? When Chester turns away, Snavely pats his shoulder. I know you stole them, son, but I never would admit it to your mother. She thinks you're innocent. You must never tell her any difference. She thought you stole him. It would break her poor heart. Oh, it's so good to be home, there. I'm going to stay here now with you and Ma for all time. Chester, have you any of them bonds on you? Or any of that money? No, Dad, I ain't got any of them bonds on me. And I took that painted money and threw it away. And you came back to me and Mother. Yes, Paul. Snavely picks up the pitcher. The sponge on us, the rest of it. He smashes it on Chester's head. Ma does the same with another bowl. And Snavely does with the first bowl. Chester staggers from the table and falls on his face. When Snavely opens the door, he and Ma pick up Chester and throw him out. And stand arm in arm. He winces, but no snow is thrown. A Max Senate comedy described for movies for the blind. The end. Thank you.
And that was The Fatal Glass of Beer. By 1936, W.C. Fields' drinking was catching up with him. He was becoming more difficult to work with and had to work less due to illnesses connected to his drinking. A decade later, he died from an alcohol-related stomach hemorrhage at the age of 66. A short time before, a friend visited him in the hospital and found him reading the Bible. Pretty strange behavior for him. The friend asked what he was doing, and Fields replied, I'm checking for loopholes. Up next, we're back to film noir, produced, written, and directed by an actor who appropriately is playing a man with too much on his plate. You know that Mexican song you brought home yesterday? I can't get it out of my mind. Salute Felicidad Amor. Means health, happiness, and love. If you got those and money, you're not entitled to gripe. We have them, darling. Yep. This is Dr. Sloan. A passenger took sick suddenly. He needs some medicine from his suitcase, okay? Why, you... Easy, Eddie. He's got a gun. Be quiet. How much did they get, Sam? Everything but the silver. A half a million. Who's coming for the railroad? Joe Armstrong. He's gone on ahead to Phoenix. He's a friend of yours, isn't he? Yeah. He usually has Sunday dinner with us. Reads like a freight dispatcher's timetable. Everything in place, no loose ends, no leads so far. You've just got to relax. Got to relax. Let me rub your forehead. Let me get your slippers. Ruthie, what do you know about this? Why don't you just leave me alone? You'd every minute ticked off for each of us. If you'd followed your own timetable, you'd have been there. I've been a cop for a long time. I've seen some good jobs and bad jobs, but I've never seen a perfect one. That's Timetable, next time on Movies for the Blind. To find out more about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast, Creative Commons License. The movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back next week. Take care. Take care.